We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our Gut Talk. Talk. This episode sponsor is Just Thrive Probiotics. So you could probably guess that one of our frequently asked questions is what our favorite probiotic is. Our answer, Just Thrive, and for many, many reasons. First of all, Jill and I have been taking this probiotic for well over a year, and we have nothing but amazing things to say about it for us and our body. And second, let's just dive a little bit more into it. So Just Thrive is the first and only 100% all-natural spore form DNA verified and tested probiotic supplement. As the subject of groundbreaking clinical studies, Just Thrive has demonstrated incomparable effects on the gut and its undeniable connection to the immune system and brain. It is 100% survivability. It's clinically proven strains for leaky gut with nine other ongoing human clinical trials. So what you can do is say goodbye to uncomfortable bloating, embarrassing gas, and leaky gut, and say hello to being regular and even clear-headed. Simply take one capsule per day after a meal or as directed by your physician, Capsules can be open and sprinkled on food as well if you're someone who doesn't like to swallow a pill. So anyway, we have a discount code for our Gut Talk fam. You can use the code GTG for 15% off Just Thrive Probiotics. If you go to justthrivehealth.com, use code GTG for 15% off. Hi, Gut Talk fam. Real quick, before we start this episode, if you found this helpful or you think somebody else will find it helpful, to please share it, send it to whoever that person is or people. And if you love it that much to please rate our podcast below, just scroll down to that rating and review. Leave us a little message if you will. It significantly helps us, supports us, and we are greatly appreciative of it. So let's get right on into it. Welcome back to Gut Talk. We're excited to have you here and we have a returning guest, the quickest to ever return. We have Nurse Doza on the pod today because his last episode, episode 50, was just so impactful and we left with the majority of the questions we wanted to ask unanswered because Mm -hmm. we had such a great conversation So we brought him back on. Jenna, what are we chatting about this episode? Okay, so just to give you a little backstory, Nurse Doza works with women every single day who come to him with bloating, weight loss, skin issues, exhaustion, which we would consider gut and hormone issues. But he wants to break that even more, and he goes deep into the gut and liver connection. Yeah, and what's cool about him is he has so much experience and so much knowledge. We left feeling like we were in a 101 session with him Like he was teaching us all about the liver and why it's so important. And I think if anything, he's bringing awareness to liver health and why it is so important in our overall health. I personally, Jill, have not ever been told by any sort of doctor or practitioner that I need to watch my liver or that maybe I have a fatty liver or it's something to look out for. I've just, I'd never heard about it before. Yeah. So when you hear liver and you're like, blah, 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 I don't care, whatever. Just know that if you're bloated, you feel like you need caffeine to stay awake. You have stubborn weight that you're trying to lose and so many more symptoms. You need to make sure you're addressing your liver health. And that is exactly what we're talking about on this episode today. Just to kind of finish it off, one thing that I really do love about Nurse Doza is he's very practical and extremely non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come in and say, all right, 
you cannot have any of the things you've been having or loving. So he even gave me a tip on I was going to go drink the next that weekend for a boat party, which I actually ended up not drinking that much anyway. But he told me what to eat beforehand. And you'll hear about that more in the episode. So without further ado, please welcome Nurse Doza on Gut Talk again. Woo! All right, so do you want me to get into it now? Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting about the liver is that it is probably the most important organ next to the brain. Just honestly, you talk about the heart. And what's fascinating I've learned on social media is that no one really cares about the heart. Seriously, Mm -hmm. like you talk about blood pressure and cholesterol issues. They're like, no, 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 no. Tell me more about the liver. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, but it's all part of the bigger picture. And I was taught in school, you know, hearts, everything, right? Blood pressure issues. Everyone has going to have a heart attack and blah, blah, blah. Uh, remember when butter was bad for your heart, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now that everyone is like, well, tell me more about the liver. This is why the liver is so important. The liver is the only organ that when healthy, if you cut in half, it will regenerate completely. Now there's no other organ that can do that, including the brain. Now the brain can do it to a certain extent. Like if you get enough sleep, And if you rest enough and you're not stressing your body out, but let's be honest, that's not happening. Well, the same goes for the liver. And so if you think about the liver, the liver will detoxify anything in the body. That's its main function. So you imagine, let's just look at overall health versus disease. If you have health, you have a healthy liver. If you have disease, you have a fatty liver. One in four US adults have a fatty liver. And what I found is not only do they have a fatty liver, either they're aware of it by either their doctor and they're not doing anything about it either by choice or because they weren't told what to do. So it's not even that people are like, well, what do I do about my, they're just like, no, no no one told me, even my practitioner or doctor who told me I have a fatty liver, they didn't tell me what to do. Really? So you imagine in school, we were not taught that the liver is this important. Like it wasn't like I went to chiropractic school and nursing school and nurse practitioner school and everyone's like, hey, the first thing I learned about is your liver. It wasn't taught that. Mm. In fact, if you think about it, there's no real medicines for the liver because all medications go through the liver to be metabolized. So it's not like there's a direct medication to treat liver. So you imagine like, well, it's kind of neglected. And that's why we opened with the idea of like, well, no one talks about the liver and they're searching for liver information online because their doctors aren't talking about it because guess what? The doctors aren't recognizing either because they weren't taught it. So if you say, okay, detoxification, let's go back to that. The main job that the liver does is reduce inflammation in the body. Inflammation is going to be the root cause of almost every disease you can imagine. Just fill in the blank. Diabetes, heart disease, dementia, cancer. It's inflammation. Well, what's going to reduce inflammation in the body? The liver. Mm. And you imagine one in four people have a fatty liver. How hard is it for them to reduce inflammation in the body? And you imagine they have autoimmune disorders on top of that. They have leaky gut on top of that, right? They have maybe uh, diabetes on top of that. So now you're really looking at what people are dealing with and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they have multiple, multiple issues going on at the same time and are they aware of it, right? So let's say they aren't. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Or maybe they don't want to deal with it because they don't know what to do. So what we're dealing with is that when you look to your left and you look to your right in this country, The reason I'm so passionate about this is because if you look around you, someone there is sick just in front of you right now. Someone in your family, someone in your inner circle right now is sick. They have a fatty liver at this moment. It doesn't matter how old they are because if childhood obesity is an issue right now, which it is, those kids have a fatty liver too. Can your liver be fatty or unhealthy 
and you still because a lot of people are sick and they don't know it right yes. because they look normal i think a lot of times you gain weight and in our country that means okay i'm unhealthy but i think there's a lot of people that are quote unquote skinny that are also unhealthy too can your liver be fatty even if maybe it doesn't show that on the outside yes okay. yes it can and that's a great question to ask uh let me define what a fatty liver is mm -hmm. okay so a fatty liver it means it's too full of unhealthy processed foods all right that's the most simple way to put it and you can say fast food yes uh, microwavable food yes something out of a box yes uh late night yes whatever it is your liver is a storage unit all right it's like a refrigerator and imagine your refrigerator over the last 20 years of your life and it's food that's probably still in there like the mcdonald's the you know burger king whatever the taco bell still in there from 10 years ago right maybe you got healthier in the last couple of years but that liver holds on to things because it needs it for nutrients later on that's the whole point of us eating we take food in and we use it for energy right fats proteins and carbs right and when we eat too much we have to store it right because we didn't burn it off for energy right so where do we store it we store it in the liver so you imagine go look at your fridge right now and see what's in the back. See what's in the back like shelf, right? And you know like, oh, I need to clean out my refrigerator. It's like, of course you do. You need to clean out your liver because whatever we put in there is going to get stored. Now, you imagine the fatty liver part is that fatty refrigerator, that fatty liver has a bunch of leftover Pizza Hut, Burger King, Taco Cabana, Taco Bell, like the sodas, alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a medication like some antibiotics refrigerated, right? So you put everything's in there. And you're supposed to operate like this. Like this is where you're getting your source of energy. Because when you don't eat and you fast, you will pull stuff out of the refrigerator just like you do to go eat. When you haven't eaten, you go to the liver, you open the door to the liver and you say what's there to eat. And that's your fuel for the next six hours after your meal. And so you imagine everyone has a fatty liver because everyone eats junk food. And then on top of that, they eat junk food at the wrong time because they're not truly hungry. Let's just be honest. They're just craving certain things. And then on top of it, you throw in sodas and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you, you, you have people that have this inflamed liver walking around that doesn't work like it should. And the recipe for a healthy liver that can function at its full potential is not alcohol and medications and fast food. Let's just be honest, right? And so I have to imagine that if you bring this awareness to people, they still won't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, because like you said, how are you aware of this? You're, you've gained weight. That's the number one reason that you get you have a fatty liver. You gain weight, but you say, well, I'm kind of still skinny and everything. I'm like, okay, let's be even more simple about this. You don't feel good, all right? If you don't feel good, you have a fatty liver. Like you have to have at least some level of inflammation building somewhere in the body, whether it's the beginning of leaky gut, mm -hmm. right? Which is probably indigestion and heartburn right? Or bloating after your very first meal eating at a Mexican restaurant for the first time mm -hmm. or going to the first Chinese restaurant and eating that food that has tons of MSG in it. You're just like, whoa, this is just now my norm, right? right. We were talking about mm -hmm. before. And so now you keep eating meal after meal feeling like, well, these meals keep getting bigger. I keep you know, eating my full meal because I was told to eat my whole meal. Mm -hmm. And now I have to stuff all that in the liver. What else can it look like? Because I'm, I have these images in my head of people, you know, you just you know, in life that they don't look unhealthy, but we see the way they operate and we're like, there's no way that if we were to open you up, everything would be a-okay. So how, what other ways can a fatty liver affect you and maybe you don't even realize it? You're tired at any point throughout the day. And I have to go back to this, like, how do you feel? Let's say that I've been in practice for, I don't know, 14, 15 years and 
maybe longer, maybe shorter. But the number one thing that I see people for is probably weight loss. Right, because you can see that. It's you easy to that. identify. Right? Now, here's the thing about it. I'm also in a very nice part of town. They have people come in all the time who want to lose five or 10 pounds. And what's interesting about it is they are skinnier. And you're like, where do you need to lose five or 10 pounds in your foot? Like, I don't get it, right? They're like, oh, it's a little bit right here around my belly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you're not fat, you're bloated. And you're like, well, yeah, I am bloated, I'm inflamed. And I'm like, well, what are you doing that's causing you to be bloated? And they're like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so then I say, okay, fair enough. The whole reason they came in because they were bloated wasn't because they had gained some weight. They've waited long enough, right? It's been weeks, months. It's not like they came in that day. They didn't feel good at one point. And they're just like, I don't feel good right now. Something's off. So we wait till pain shows up and then all of a sudden we do something about it, right? And people will even take a pain pill, mask that pain and say, okay, I need to do something about it, right? Imagine if I wait, 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 wait. And I say, okay, what am I going to do then? It could be sometimes too late. But like I said, the liver can take a beating. Like you can go all the way to the point of it basically being like a cirrhotic liver, which is the worst of the worst. It's calcified. Mm-hmm. Your fatty liver will turn into a calcified, petrified, literally liver if you do not take care of it. But you can basically outrun diabetes and heart disease while you're doing that. And then if you have a fatty liver that outlives diabetes and heart disease, you have dementia. So what, if you really look at it, the, the problems that we have in this country, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, uh, one in... One person every 65 seconds in this country is diagnosed with dementia. So you're talking about real problems here. And I'm saying the underlying issue in all of it is a fatty liver. Wow. So the severity of it is I'm saying people are doing this to themselves from lifestyle. And you imagine you say, we have a bigger problem on our hands than just saying, oh, I want to lose weight. I'm saying, no, you don't feel good, do you? So it goes back to the whole idea again. It's like, why are you here? It's like, yeah, um, I don't know, I probably go out too much or, you know, I eat too much. During the pandemic, people were literally like, I'm staying at home too much, doing things, right? Or I'm sitting behind a desk too much or I'm go, go, go all the time and I'm working 10, 12 hours too much or I'm going to the gym six, seven days a week because I don't know what else makes me happy too much. And I'm like, whoa, so this explains why you have a fatty liver because your fatty liver is a reflection just like your whole health is of your environment and where you are in your community. So what's interesting about the fatty liver, and you'll hear me talk about this all the time, I think who's in your community right now, right? You said so the thing you opened with when you talked about like who you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you imagine like I'm not hanging out with that person, right? Right, because you're saying like I don't want to see what that's like because that's probably not good for anyone involved in that situation, sure. right? Because you're a product of your environment. If I take care of my liver, the people around me at the dinner table might not care. Jill and I love to have fun, right? But we also recognize that our health is incredibly important to us. So we're surrounded by friends and this is not a dig to them. I think this is our society. We're young. Let's have fun. We can stay out till 3 a.m. We can drink our nights away without thinking about the repercussions of maybe what that is causing them. What would you say to someone who comes into you and says, yeah, it's probably because I've drank six, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten drinks last night. Like, How do we make this a you need to figure this out now problem versus whatever, this is probably going to affect me in 50 years when I don't even care? Oh, great question. Um, So let's go there. We have a podcast about what to eat after a night of drinking. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because um, there's no judgment that comes with this podcast, by the way, because, you know, you don't want to basically offend anyone. Right. But the idea is like, let's talk about alcohol. Mm -hmm. 
from all scientific standpoints, there's nothing good outside of topical application <laughs> of alcohol that is good for the body, which is really fascinating if you think about it because from a society standpoint, the bar is open till 2 a.m. in Texas. And in some places, they're open 24 hours. And in some places, you can buy liquor at your convenience stores. And in some places, it is okay to start consuming alcohol at 10 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. I have even was at school down the road from the medical center where they had 7 a.m. shot specials at the bar because that's when the shifts got off, right? They changed over 12s. Oh, wow. So then you say, yeah. wow, we're catering to the idea of what? What is the lifestyle that alcohol brings? What is it? What is the benefit of alcohol? You let loose. You have fun. It lets people forget about whatever trouble they have during yeah. the day. Now, that's interesting because you said two different things in my opinion. Uh -huh. You said, I like to have fun. And then you said, I like to let loose and then forget, forget about stuff. Now, I won't get into why people drink, right? But just the effects of it, mm -hmm. like I said, that's what we normally deal with. We see lab work and we see ultrasounds and imaging that shows your liver's damaged more than you thought. And what's fascinating is we're catching it now at an early age because guess what? People are sicker at an earlier age now because of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We overconsume in this country. Let's be honest, right? We have everything at our fingertips now at a second of a hat. Like when would you say, okay, I want this now. And then we don't have to think about it. We don't cook our food anymore. Right. I don't. Uber right? Eats. Door Uber dash. Eats. You can have anything you possibly desire on your plate within seconds. And then you're watching Netflix or Prime or whatever. And you don't even taste it. You don't smell it. You didn't even think about where it came from. You don't realize the animal that was sacrificed that came there and what that animal was eating. Right? And we look at it and we say, all of that is going into my liver. And I carry around the hormones that the chickens and the cows were injected with injected with in order to make more milk and make more eggs and you wonder why we are so unhealthy think about this so the night of drinking i will tell people like okay well after that what do you feel like the next day they say well just give me something to not make me feel hungover and i say okay fair enough the number one way to get over your hangover most likely is to start detoxifying your liver because guess what all the alcohol is still in your liver right we know this so then you say, well, what can I take in the morning? And I say, well, smart guy, why don't you take something the night before? That way you're not feeling as bad the next day. You pre-tox. So like I said, you have to talk to people in a way to say, if you're really going to continue this lifestyle, what can I do for you? Well, I need to know how I can get up and go to work the next day or be there for my family. I'm saying, no judgment here. You're talking about function now, which I am good at. If you want to function at your highest level, you imagine you're a car. And if your car is running off a certain type of gasoline, alcohol, that's not the best kind of gasoline, even though I see the comparison from a chemistry standpoint. Your body will also run off of sugar, fat, or protein. But if your sugar comes in margarita sugar plus the alcohol sugar, your liver's like, dude, like I can't. And you expect me to go to sleep after this? Right. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, yeah, it's still here, by the way. That's why you feel groggy the next day. And then guess what? A night of drinking will toxify your sleep. It kills your sleep. Like, you don't get sleep. Let's be honest. I have tons of studies that show that alcohol, you don't actually go to sleep. You just somehow pass out, which is totally blacking out. It's the same thing, like almost taking uh, like a sleeping pill. So then you say, okay, if you have to do it, please support your liver. And what happens is people's tolerance goes down when this starts happening. So I don't have to judge them. I don't have to tell anything to them because after a while they come back and they say, I only had one or two drinks and I was... I was kind of drunk after that. I literally, that's my current problem. I, even Jill is so annoyed because I complain about it. If I have one to two drinks, even one, 
I will feel it the next day. I will feel it immediately. My tolerance is so low now. And is that a bad thing? Well, no, but the only bad thing about it, honestly, is that I hear about it the next day. <laughs> Jill, that one drink, I just, I feel it so much. I'm like, okay, Jada. <laughs> so then let's do this then. Let's go back to the idea of what you said, because I just want to go back to it. You say you want to forget the troubles, because I get that. Well, the aspect of celebration or letting loose, right, is what most people will do on at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So this is why I catch them going back to the behavior change. All right. So let's say they want a pill to help with their fatty liver. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'll tell you exactly what to take. Take all our liver detox supplements, all right, and, and take it every day if you're going to keep consuming alcohol. Like, that's just a given, right? But what they're doing between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night is the most crucial part of the day, in my opinion, for them because it's the end of their day when it's their time for themselves. Now, what they choose to consume at that time also is going to affect their liver. So I ask a lot of people, I say, what are you doing between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m.? And those people might say, I'm eating dinner, I'm relaxing, or I'm working, which is fascinating because no one ever tells me I'm preparing for bed. That's literally us. <laughs> but y'all do, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. How has it changed your health just to have a nighttime routine? For me personally, I go to sleep easier. Very rarely am I tossing and turning trying to go to sleep. My body knows that we're getting into that point. So when I go to close my eyes... I'm drifting pretty quickly, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, you know, I wish I could fall asleep. Like I'm, I'm passing out. That wasn't always the case, was it? No, not at all. I used to stay up till like 1, 2 a.m. all the time. I did too. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I just couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. Me too. And you're like, I'm a night out. That's just me. Right. Right. Yeah. But then the other thing too is, is like, I wouldn't sleep in super late. I'd just be tired. Ah, mm-hmm. so it's funny. I, I was the same way. So missing out on sleep is the same feeling as being hungover because like I said, you're kind of missing out on both double whammy when you're drinking at night. So you imagine if you're going to drink, drink earlier in the day, right? Honestly, like the day drinking thing is cost is kind of right. However, mm-hmm. like you can do it smarter. So you have like a healthier drink, you mix it with, you know, sparkling water, right? Sure. Like gin or vodka is probably a healthier choice, right? And then you have one or two and it's the top shelf. It's the best thing. Or nowadays in Austin, they even have mocktails that you can go get if oh, you yeah. just have to have a drink in your hand at the dinner table with people, right? But it still goes back to that whole idea of like, I need an escape. So that's why I say, well, between that 8 to 10 p.m., people are escaping to where I don't know. Now, I think they should go in la-la land if they want to. They can go dream. They can be whatever they want, right? But the idea is if you're doing it through alcohol from a scientific standpoint, that's really hard on your body. Like imagine if you're like, well, I'm doing it through heroin. That's really hard on your body, right? (laughs) If some people say, well, I'm doing it through Adderall, that's really hard on your body. And then I say, if I'm doing it through work, that's also really hard on your body. So it's still like all of this goes back into the liver. This next episode sponsor is Element Electrolytes. Let me tell you a little bit about hydration. To properly hydrate, you want to include water with electrolytes. So when you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion, and more. Element, spelled L-M-N-T, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, 
no gluten, no fillers, no BS, and you know the Gut Talk girls love it. Jill and I have some new favorite flavors these days. You know ours ours used to be watermelon and raspberry, but now Jill's favorite is orange, and mine is becoming citrus really quick. Can I also add that they make you want to drink your water? So if you're someone like me who constantly says you need to drink more water and you don't just want to go and drink plain water, which you shouldn't be, this might be right up your alley. Of course, we have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinklmnt.com slash guttalkgirls to get a free element sample pack when you make any purchase through our link. The element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who is interested in trying all of the flavors or if you want to introduce a friend to Element. So try it out and let us know what you think. We put the link in the show notes. Just more science, right? I have a study that shows fatty liver and inflammation of the liver is elevated in people who rent their home versus people who own their home. Why? (laughs) Because your negative thoughts are the same thing as consuming alcohol. And people are worried about not making rent? Yeah. When you own your home, there's a different feeling when you own that home. And I'm talking like truly, like it's yours. Like it's paid off. It's paid off. Yeah. As opposed to like, oh man, I need to make rent. Oh, I don't know. Bills are like, I mean, to me, you're sitting there and all, and this is where the truth is. If all you're thinking about is just paying your bills, you're not thinking about your fatty liver. Sure. Okay. So then imagine you're like, I don't have to worry about my bills. What can I focus on now? Now this is people in retirement. I have people 60 years of age coming to me having the same conversation. They're like, I'm ready to put the focus on my health. I'm retired now. I have all the time in the world. I want to take care of my fatty liver. That's what they come in here and tell me. Mm. I have gentlemen who tell me this, grown men. And so I ask them the same thing. I'm like, well, what do you need to hear from me? What is it that you haven't heard on the Gut Talk podcast or any of these other podcasts that, that I couldn't tell you? And they're like, well, I've been thinking it's my liver. I'm like, yeah, it's your liver. What, what do you need to know now? Well, what do I do about it? Like everything. What don't you do right now? You know, that's really what it comes down to it. So then yeah. I say, well, I personally do supplements, but most people will do diet. So like the foods for the liver, avocados, anything with omega-3s, mm. right? That's why avocados for the win, right? Hell yeah. Uh, by the way, let's give praise to the avocado real quick. Avocado might be the most perfect food for the liver. Okay. And the reason why is because it's almost a perfect food. Avocado itself has omega-3. Well, eh, I don't know if it has too much omega-3s in it, but it has omega-3s in it. It has some omega-6s. It has a healthy fat. It has healthy protein. It has healthy fiber for the gut. So it's like the perfect gut food, okay? And then it directly goes to the liver to help it function to produce uh, detoxification. Okay. And so you imagine like uh, garlic, turmeric, onions do the same thing. Uh, if you want to consume healthy fat, uh, it's chicken eggs and the yolk itself, along with fatty fish like salmon or sardines. And it's not beef. It's honestly not beef. Now, just a quick nutrition. Uh, your liver loves omega-3s. It does not prefer omega-6s. Omega-6s are very inflammatory to the body. What is found with omega-6s? Nuts and beef. So think about that with keto diet. Think about people with the gut diets. Like if you have gut issues, I choose not to consume nuts because nuts are very damaging for the gut and it's very hard to uh, for the liver even to digest it. I think that's why women will have issues, uh, hormone issues uh, with digestion with keto because they're like, well, I'm consuming all this excessive fat, you know? And I'm like, all that fat has to be processed through the liver, keep in mind, and your liver sometimes can't do it. So if you go back to like a night on the town, 
I'm like, well, one, the alcohol is going to go into liver. That makes a difference. But if you have some avocado on your plate, you know, that's great, right? But then also at the same time, like if you had like some fish that dinner, like that's even better, right? Is that going to help absorb some of the alcohol and get rid of it? Maybe. You know what's funny? So Jenna and I have completely transformed our lives and we really don't go out that often. I go out more than Jenna, but like not even once a week. But and like, mind you, our past was like three nights. Like we love yeah. to go out and have fun. Well, more, even college. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Drinking my life away. But really. Last Saturday, Jenna had friends We're in town. honest. <laughs> last Saturday, I throughout a long span of time probably had seven or eight drinks, okay. but like really one an hour, maybe two at some hours. And I woke up the next morning. Now I did do Element. I took. Um, our supplement that is that helps break down the alcohol what why am i yeah it's called zbiotics zbiotics mm-hmm. and then but for dinner before i went out i had salmon with avocado and rice and it had fresh garlic in it that's incredible and right? I, wait, <laughs> the best part i wasn't i felt great the next morning yeah. i did a workout right and you see, i can see your reaction there because you're like this is a protocol now like right. and i'm like that's that's what people do so I have to get people to get that realization. Like, that's why I said no judgment. Yeah. If you do it before, you can function the next day. So that's what I realized with alcohol and other people will realize that too. It's very hard to function the next day after alcohol, especially mm-hmm. if you overconsume, right? If you overconsume too much sugar the night before, it's very hard to function the next day. I've noticed mm-hmm. even myself, let's go back to the fatty liver thing. So let's replace alcohol sugar with just sugar. Like, let's just call it processed sugar, right? Mm-hmm. People who stop consuming alcohol have to replace that alcohol sugar with something else. Normally, it is chocolate or it's sodas, Mm -hmm. right? And you say, well, let's cause fatty liver without ever consuming alcohol. It's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which most people have. You imagine your liver will look exactly the same after 20 years of consuming fast food the same way after 20 years of consuming alcohol. That's fascinating. Wow. And it's the same damage. And you think like, oh my gosh, for the people who eat poorly and drink, this is why you're like, how come they don't realize they're feeling like this? It's because they're doing this in their teenage years when they can actually outrun this. You said so yourself. I was in my 20s. I was college. Everyone was. Mm -hmm. How did you even get through college? How did we get through college? How did we get degrees and show up to get our diplomas? And (laughs) I honestly wonder what I was running off of because now I tell you I have one drink and I feel like the next day, every day, like I'm like, say I'm down for two days. It's really just one. Maybe two. Yeah, that's why I said it. (laughs) My question is how the hell did I do those four years? Ah. So, and get almost straight A's. Yeah. That's the thing. And excel. That's the thing. That's, you know, it's really fascinating. Uh, that is a typical woman, female coming from their 20s, 30s out of college who is determined just to take life by the horns, right? Yeah. And, and that's it's funny. Grad school mm-hmm. is a really taxing time on the female because if you imagine hormones, birth control was thrown in there. Let's throw in a little bit of Adderall and coffee. Yeah. Right, coffee's introduced, cigarettes may or may not be in there. It's all stimulants. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you have to say, okay, those stimulants are still going into the the, uh, the liver mm-hmm. in a different form, right? The sugar, the alcohol, the late nights, whatever, right? And I say, oh my gosh, it wreaks havoc on the body. Mm-hmm. So then you say, okay, how am I not picking up on this? Go back, and this is for any woman uh, thinking about this, uh, go back to your teenagers. Did you ever deal with constipation? No, I had IBS. <laughs> okay, did you have... 
Yes. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to say that one, you could make the first case for a fatty liver, one of the first signs being constipation Mm -hmm. or IBS or leaky gut because the liver and the gut go hand in hand. So let's get into it. Yeah. So imagine most women have pooping issues and they are afraid to talk about it until they go in front of their practitioner. All right. They tell me all the time. You know how many women daily tell me and talk to me about their poops? Look at you. Yeah, I know. Right? I'm like, great. And they're like, and I could tell you it's kind of, and I'm like, yes, I, it's interesting because everything in detail is important. The consistency of everything is that important. So uh, example, weight loss, weight loss is a thing like we've always been good. In, and, and this one lady came in one time and said, I've tried every diet. I've tried every workout. I can't lose 10 to the last 20 pounds. I can't. And I'm like, I'm inflamed. This is the first time I started thinking maybe it's the gut because if you have arthritis of your knee, your knee gets swollen. If you have gout of your feet, your your toes get swollen. What if you have arthritis of your gut? You're going to have a swollen belly. Swollen, yep. And so I was like, it's not the food you're eating. It's, well, maybe it is. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let me ask you something. Like, do you have heartburn? Do you have indigestion? Do you have constipation? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. How long have you had it? Like, I just had this for years. Okay, well... Let me ask you something bold. How often do you poop? And this lady would not answer me. She kind of just scoffed at me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> and I was like, answer the question. She was like, what, which one? I was like, you know which one I asked. Like, how often do you poop? She was I, I poop Fridays and Sundays. <laughs> what a painful life. Wow. And, and what's funny, you laugh and I don't say anything. Yeah. And I stare at her and she goes, what? And I say, what do you want me to say about this? She goes, that's my norm. For how long? She goes, a long time. So I said, oh my God, wow. let's fix that. Let's work on that. Maybe that's the issue. So we started working on it. And the measurement for the weight loss then became the measurement of the poops and the poop cycle. If she's going twice a week, which I come to find out that's extreme in most cases. However, it's not uncommon to go every other day in most cases or sometimes four times a week mm-hmm. or take a bunch of laxatives all the time to go. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, what else do I need to do? I'm like, do an elimination diet. Start over, reset your gut, stop eating. Because the digestive tract is a one-way track. It starts in your mouth and it ends in your anus. And it basically you know, goes one way, like a conveyor belt. And it goes like this. And when you drop food in, it stops it. And it goes to the stomach. It goes past the pancreas. It goes to the liver. And the liver absorbs whatever nutrients are in that food. And whatever is after that is then funneled through the intestines and then forming a poop. And then whatever last little bit of nutrients are in that poop is siphoned out of your colon. And then you poop it out. Mm -hmm. And this process is supposed to occur normally within 30 minutes to 60 minutes, maybe 90 minutes at the most after you consume a meal. So then I asked this lady every time she came in, how soon are you pooping after your meals now? She's like, I mean, it, it, pretty close, like an hour or two afterwards. And I'm not having to take anything as much. That's a big deal because you imagine if you eat something, it's not going anywhere. Where's it going? It's somewhere in here. Right. And the liver is that sledgehammer, almost the chisel that's going to say, all right, whatever this hamburger is, we're going to get rid of it. And it starts chiseling away. But the liver is way down in any way. It doesn't have a chisel anymore. Wait, so what did she do? So we came up with this plan yeah. of an anti-inflammatory diet. Now, okay. you've heard of the FODMAP. You've sure. heard of lectins. 
same concept. So she had just gotten a food sensitivity test. Mm -hmm. And, and I was kind of wondering her, I, you know, her, uh, her reports and her results. And so I was like, I want to do one for myself. So we did one around the same time and her test showed up a bunch of things that she was eating that she shouldn't have been eating that she was, and she thought they were healthy. So mine showed up as tomatoes and almonds. So at the time I was like, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you think this is healthy, but what if you just cut them out? And I keep reading about these things called lectins, and these are anti-nutrients that basically might form leaky gut to begin with. Mm -hmm. You're poking holes in your digestive tract every time you eat these things. And maybe they're not good for you. And so she goes, okay, what do I do? I said, well, you're going to eat probably two ingredients for each meal. That's how you're going to start. And she kind of looked at me like, are you serious? I said, yeah, like think about it. Like you're going to feel better. Mm -hmm. You're going to hopefully be able to poop, and you won't be bloated and in pain. I'm trying to get you to poop. You know, you won't, that's how you're going to lose weight. She said, okay. So she tried it and we tried, you know, we went through the list. I was like, what do you like? So chicken, fish, you know, turkey, something that she could consume. Cause at this point it was not even about flavor. Let's be honest. Right. She's like something savory. And then I was like, what else could you add? I said, why don't you try an avocado? Most people can consume an avocado. Guess what? After those two ingredients, she's like, well, I'm not going right away, but I'm not bloated. I'm not, I don't have heartburn. I'm not, I don't have, I'm not farting. And I was like, interesting. So when the third week came around of her kind of eating very similar things like this, she's like, okay, I can kind of tell I'm not as bloated. And what happened was her stomach started getting flatter. Mm. So I said, okay, I got to do this too. So what did I do? I cut out tomatoes and almonds from my diet. My stomach went flat too. And I said, wait a second. So then I look into tomatoes, nightshade vegetables, right? And I said, okay, peppers, mushrooms, eggplant. Cut them all out. Stomach got flat for the first time in my life. I had a six pack. I wasn't going to lose weight. Right. I was like, I'm inflamed too. And so then I started telling every person that came with weight losses, you got to fix your gut. If your gut's inflamed in any way, there's no way you're going to lose weight. And then on top of it, if you have a fatty liver, which I'm assuming, fatty liver in the gut, fatty liver can cause IBS. So fatty liver started before the IBS began with. That's what I found out later in life. Question, are you saying that nightshade vegetables, we shouldn't consume them? Or are you saying if you don't have a healed liver, they will make you bloated? Now, as far as the liver goes, I think the tomatoes is probably okay. The almonds, I think most almonds are GMO'd and they're sprayed with a bunch of stuff. So if you do like organic. Yeah, I mean, it just, like I said, I don't think nuts, they're omega-6s. Sure. So as I'm saying, I don't think so they're small great. small amounts. So small amounts. Yeah. Brazil nuts are probably your healthiest and chestnuts actually have higher omega-3s than any other nut. What about peppers? You said peppers. I no. love peppers. So peppers, like jalapenos and all that, so they have... No, like I'm talking bell peppers. Oh, uh, same deal. And you're saying it's a no-go? I say cut them out. And here's the thing. Okay. Like I said, I'm an example of, I didn't think I had issues. Right. But when I cut them out for a week, a actually I cut them out for a month. I have before and afters when I used to have an Instagram page and it was like six pack. And I just posted that just because I'm like, look what happened when I cut out peppers and tomatoes in my diet. People are like, I want that diet. But why? What? I mean, to me, first of all, I have bell peppers waiting for my stuffed, uh, my stuffed peppers that I'm supposed yeah, to make this weekend. I, can we scale back? Because... We're a big starter pack podcast, right? So we're we have our community right now are probably like not sure what to eat. Also dealing like we're twenty something year old girls. I'll speak for myself. I love a matcha latte. I love a latte. I love cooking up meals and having a wide variety. 
a lot of times people equate food with happiness, with joy, satisfaction, all of those words. But when people hear, I can't eat healthy foods, I can't eat a bell pepper, like sure, I'll cut out McDonald's, Burger King, whatever. When people hear healthy foods are now harming my gut, they're probably like, okay, now this doesn't make sense. Yeah, Let's explain a little bit more about that and how we can curate, if you will, a diet that best fits each person is unique, but explain that a more, digestive, a digestive, a digestive, yes, digestive exactly. Let's, okay. Perfect. So first and foremost, real food is where you want to go. So even if it's GMO'd, even if it was grown in your backyard and it was a pepper, like it's still better than most things you're going to find, right? Right. Because the steps that it takes in the process is, 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 is harder on the digestive tract, including the liver. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I think the timing of food is more important. Like when okay. you eat and how much you eat at that time is, is important. Now, what you're consuming, I'll go into the science behind it. So there's something called lectins. Lectins are these referred to as uh, anti-nutrients. And imagine anti-nutrients like lectins are like little pitchforks that travel through your digestive tract in the form of grains, in the form of uh, maybe peppers, nightshade vegetables, legumes, nuts, seed oil. And the, they will poke holes in your digestive tract. I'm looking at the floor here. I'll use this as an example. So let's use the flooring here as the digestive tract lining. And then let's go ahead and see this rug as your microbiome. Okay. So if your microbiome is wiped out or di- you know disrupted in any way, you have a problem with that. But you'll have this flooring right here, which will also have an issue. This will be where the pitchfork pokes holes in it. So you imagine gluten does the same thing, right? And then tomatoes do the same thing. And then peppers do the same thing. So what you're doing is you're just poking little holes in your digestive tract. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had strep or you had antibiotics use from chronic upper respiratory infections as a kid, your rug is not partially there. And the reason why that's a big deal is because there's a process to absorbing food and breaking them down. Like you have to go through the microbiome in order to go through the intestinal lining in order to be absorbed properly. There's even like this shag rug carpet of something called veli that absorbs everything. So if any of this is disrupted in any way, the process is broken, like broken. And the whole reason we even have a digestive tract, it's because it's a security wall. It has nothing to do with the idea that we need it to function. Really, I mean, how many people you know have gotten their colon removed and they just basically poop into a bag now? You will not live without a liver because the thing is the colon is just pushing things through, right? And the intestinal tract is just pushing things through. But imagine while it's going through there, the peppers just keep like nicking at the opening holes, like almost like you've had a scratch and you just keep scratching at it. Mm-hmm. doesn't keep getting better. So now you have all these little scabs all throughout your gut called irritable bowel syndrome. And then eventually it turns into Crohn's for some people or colitis, right? So then I say, okay, could this happen for anyone? Like maybe. I am sensitive to it, but maybe I suggest to people cut it out for a week. See what happens in your diet. See what happens to your stomach. See what happens to the swelling around your fingers. Does it change? Some people can handle their chicken eggs. Other people can't. I don't know why. Right? Is it the chicken or the egg? Right? I I mean, so I'm thinking like, okay, whatever it is, cut it out from your diet and go with something you know agrees with you. That's why I say a two-ingredient diet. I mean, you eat the same thing all the time. Let's be honest. Right. But I I love a whole avocado. I'll eat a whole avocado by itself and I'll eat a can of sardines by itself. To me, I'm like, that's a meal. You will be more than full after that. And guess what? I got tons of omega-3s, yeah. healthy for my liver. I regulated my insulin. I have tons of good energy instead of glucose. Later, I have ketones if I want them. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. right? And then my digestive tract loves that kind of fat and loves that kind of oil. It's not poking holes. In fact, actually, the omega-3 and the sardines are actually sewing back up and repairing the digestive tract lining. Now, that will happen only if I give it a chance to do that. If I'm keep eating tomatoes, it's not going to happen, right? right? Yeah. Okay. That makes, yeah. I mean, because like, if you think about the science behind it, then you say, okay, well, what do I eat then? Right. Okay. I do like plants. All right. However, I just consume different kinds than I used to. Right. So like if I look at like, um, things, oxalates, right. That you'll find in the leaves. A lot of people have trouble digesting spinach Mm -hmm. and like kale and they have to cook it or they have to like sprout it a lot of times. So think about that sprouting. Um, imagine, uh, bean sprouts and all that as well. Like to remove lectins, you can sprout things. So imagine you're like, well, I do want to consume tomatoes and almonds. Like, well, just throw them in water overnight. And what happens is that water removes a lot of those anti-nutrients, the lectins, and people can consume them better. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to the idea of eating healthy, I just want to bring that back up again. I'm not against, I'm against restrictive dieting in a way towards damaging on someone's psyche, Mm -hmm. right? Let's be first and foremost, because when I talk about weight loss, I don't talk about let's take this away and you can't have this because it will beat people up and they don't like me. Yeah. So I say like this, I say, what are your three favorite foods? And people think about it. And what's fascinating is you want to know what most common answers are? Wine, cheese, cereal, bread. Right. Like, yeah, I'm like, those aren't even foods. Like, right. you know, try like, again. Try again. They're like, well, I like a good steak. I'm like, perfect. You know, you can have a steak. And so I'm like, if you have a steak, you can't have a 72 ounce steak. You can't have a 36 ounce steak. You have to have something that within reason, like a piece of steak, the size of your palm is ideal. But you can do carnivore diet and do like three stacks of hamburger meat and say, this is healthy for me too. I'm like, no, it's not. There's no way that's healthy for you. So you say, okay, what about a meat stick? What about bone broth, right? What about, um, I don't know, apples, right? Like to me, apples are gut food too. Mm -hmm. And you imagine like, well, I need a snack. I'm like, eat an apple. Seriously. Like Mm -hmm. if you eat an apple... You control your insulin, you get a little bit of blood sugar, you get a little bit of energy from it, right? And then that fiber repairs the gut lining. So when I talk about the gut diet, I have like this protocol. I said, okay, we well, have to eliminate the foods, but then you have to add things back to it. And for most people, they don't add like jicama, a Jerusalem artichoke you've seen that are like, that's like good for the gut. Like no one's eating that. Yeah. People are eating bananas. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, good. Bananas are gut food, but guess what? Too much sugar. So then you're like, okay, a little bit of bananas, a little bit of apples. Okay, I can have that on this diet. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Right? Avocados, I can. yes, you can. Salmon or fish or chicken, yes, you can. And all of a sudden, you're like, I can do this. You're like, yes, you can. And how long, if someone were to want to do this reset, let's call it a reset diet, how long is and how important is it to do it consistently for what? Are we talking a month? Are we talking two months? Ideally, I'm guessing your opinion would be, to try to do it, a, you know, a majority of your days. I'm just thinking for the people who still want to have their matcha lattes every now and then and want to see it more as this inclusive diet rather than this restriction that a lot of women go to. I went to it. So that's why I'm speaking for those people who was told you can only have these foods. And I took it to a very extreme level. Maybe not everyone is like me, but I think what Jill and I have found within ourselves too is when we felt so amazing when we first worked with this doctor, we were on cloud nine, right? Sure. But we became, I'm going to speak for myself, actually. 
I became so obsessed with that feeling that I couldn't imagine eating anything else because I was petrified that that was going to bring me back to this level that I used to be at, which was bloated, unhappy, digestive issues, constipation. How can we think of it as in this healing realm of, okay, let me try this for, you said a week to cut out a couple things, but is it a month, two months that we can give our bodies that reset that people desperately need? Yeah. The... When we came up with this diet Mm -hmm. four or five years ago, the other thing that I didn't include was this lady who did this diet. She was very strict on the diet. Yeah. Like she didn't mess up on it. So I get that part. Yeah. I started off doing it for, you know, 30 days. It turned into six months. It turned to a year and a half. It just became the way I ate. And it wasn't obsessive as so much as like, I just feel really good on this diet. So like I can get that. But for the people who really had digestive issues. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do it for as long as you probably had the digestive issues almost. Sure. Like you imagine like I've had gut issues for 20 years. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're probably going to, it's going to take you a few months. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're just see, just keep going. Right. So don't feel like there's an end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people say, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this until, and I hear this in weight loss too. Like yeah. I've even heard people say, I'm going to lose the weight and I can't wait to go back and eat all that stuff I used to eat. Sure. So let's cut to the chase. Yeah. Let's talk about addiction mm-hmm. and binge eating. And let's talk about our relationship to food. Weight loss is a byproduct of inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And I think it's inflammation of fat cells, inflammation of the liver, and then inflammation of the brain. I think that's weight gain. Okay, now I have the labs and the science. We yeah. can talk about it a whole other time. Oh, I'm so with you. Right, but you imagine you say, okay, well, this person physically, and we you talk about the physical appearance you know, earlier in, Physically, if you just look at people, can you just tell them if can you just tell if someone's unhealthy or unhappy or or they just kind of sick? Sometimes you I can say yes and no. Yes, you know, posture plays a big role, mm-hmm. right? Physical appearance can play a role. Will anyone ever come out and tell you that they're depressed? No. They do to me. Oh, really? Yep. You know yeah. what they tell me? What? I want to lose weight. Mm. So the conversation I know now years ago mm-hmm. was different. Mm-hmm. I used to think, oh, it's the gut, it's the liver, it's all the No, it's up here. Right. So then I say, all right, what are you coming in for? You know what to eat. You've tried every diet. You've heard every guru. What? Are, what why are you coming to me? Yeah. Then you say, fix it. Mm-hmm. It's the liver, right? I'm like, yeah. And I used to give them, say, it's liver love. Just take liver love. And guess what? It works so well. Mm-hmm. That it makes them poop better. And it cleans them out. And then all of a sudden they have better energy. I had this lady the other day. She was like, I haven't lost the weight yet, but I feel incredible. I don't have an energy crash anymore. My sleep's better and blah, 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 but I haven't lost any weight. I reply back to him. I say, what about inches? Because when you reduce inflammation, you're not losing just 5, 10 pounds of water weight. You're losing inches around your torso, your chest, your thighs. Mm-hmm. She goes, oh, now that you mention it, yeah, my clothes are fitting me a lot more looser around there. I'm like, <laughs> so what, right. we fo- what we focus on, I'm thinking like, okay. Now, nowadays, if someone comes in and wants to lose weight, I say, what is it with you? Is it sugar or salt? And then they will reply and everyone will say, it's the sugar or it's the salty. So I say, okay, if it's salty, it's salty, crunchy food. They're like, yeah. And if it's the sugar, they're like, it's chocolate. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about sugar and salt real quick. It wreaks havoc on your health, but one of them is really good for your digestive tract. It's salt. Sugar is the worst thing for your digestive tract, although it uses sugar as its fuel. The digestive tract, the intestines, use glucose and carbohydrates Mm -hmm. as a big source of fuel in the body. But they get that from real food. Bingo. So you imagine you say, you're talking sugar. It's like, yeah, I'm talking fruit. I'm talking like 
uh, complex carbohydrates, you know, sweet potatoes, which is great gut food. So I'm like, okay, like they're not eating that. Yeah. So imagine we talk SIBO, right? Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Uh, some people have it. Dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. You've heard this term. It's sugar feeding ba- the bad bacteria in the gut. Yeah. So what do you do? You say stop eating because I couldn't tell them, oh, switch it to gluten free, and I'm like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. They need to stomp the fire out completely. Stop the sugar. Stop the sugar. And if they're like, well, I'll go with the salt. I'm like, fine, plantain chips. And they're like, what about bananas? Like, no, 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 wrong sugar. You know, avocado sugar? Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of sugar we want. Mm-hmm. So if bread was made out of avocado and it was true avocado toast, mm-hmm. everyone's liver and digestive tract would be truly healthy. But these people screw it up by eating the toast. I don't even care if it's sourdough because, like, it's fermented. I'm like, you can't handle fermented food. Right. Because if you're doing sauerkraut and kombucha and you're like, I still have gurgles, and like, you can't do it. So on this diet, let's say you're like, why well, do kombucha all the time? Like, yeah, but do you have burping and you have gas? Like, yeah, you should not have any flatulence, gas, or burping, indigestion after any food you consume within minutes to seconds, if not hours afterwards. So if you check in with yourself after a meal, that's what I do. I'm like, okay, because I had gout before. So I'm like, I check in after every meal because I'll check my knuckles. I'll check my skin because I get weird skin things that pop up. And I'm like, oh, something in there that I ate and my finger will start like itching. Or my toe will start tingling. That's my sign that I ate something in my food that I shouldn't have. Mm. How many people are doing that at the Mexican restaurant where the mariachis are playing in the background and everyone's yelling in your ear, right? (laughs) So then the elimination diet leads into, well, what can I eat? You eat the healthier foods for your gut. And then if you did it right and you reset your gut, you can handle fermented foods. Right. And that's where you said, I did it. I reset my gut. The process of getting there, I tell people, like, you can't slip up. Because you're like, oh, and I heard this. Oh, I went, and I, you know how it is. You go on the weekend, girls' weekend. Where I'm like, yeah, but those girls are also complaining about the same thing. And they're not coming in here mm-hmm. talking about how much pain you're in. Well, I just don't want to, you know, be that person. Like, seriously, they, do they know that you're in that much pain? Imagine if you live with chronic pain. That's depressive. Yeah. Right? Gut issues are some of the most debilitating issues. And it's embarrassing to talk about. Like, women cry openly to me about how much they do not poop mm-hmm. and then and then i think about I'm like my god well you're eating the food that's causing this right and i want to scream it i want to like but i can't you, right you know what kind of makes me laugh as far as like healthy living in today's world goes is superfood smoothies because i think about everyone that has all of these complex digestion issues and in one drink you have oftentimes kale or spinach which you said not cooked down can be very tough to digest then you probably either have peanut butter or almond butter we've already talked about nuts and seeds definitely harder to digest then you're throwing a ton of natural sugar but still a ton of sugar in that same drink and then on top of it we're going to throw like five superfoods because that's going to make you feel good about paying 17 dollars for the smoothie (laughs) and it's like and I crack up because I'm like, I'm watching these girls trot down the street with the cutest looking green drink. And I'm like, there's no way you're either one, not severely bloated after or shitting your pants. It's one or the other. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, and I can, let me throw in the vegan protein powder, right. which mm-hmm. is pea protein, which is legumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, it's fascinating. <laughs> I had uh, a friend of ours come up with their own uh, vegan protein powder. They made it out of hemp because they came in, they said every protein powder is pea protein i thought you said that's bad for your gut i said it is they're like well there's nothing on the market 
And in fact, when you go there and you add it to your smoothie, you're like, oh my God, I, when I go to Juice Land, I have to ask them like, but you can switch it. Juice Land's the only place that offers the hemp protein. Yeah, they do. And you're thinking like, there's no one. Imagine you go all the other smoothie places, they don't have anything right. close. Well, so it's interesting because I couldn't digest vegan protein, but I'm like, whey protein isn't good for me. Like that's what I've always thought to myself just because I feel like that's been talked about for years of like, don't consume dairy. Well, we take really high quality grass fed whey protein and oh, look at that. My stomach does great, but I always stayed away from whey because whey was like dairy. It's going to give me acne. It's going to hurt my stomach. No, find good grass fed whey. And there's a place in town that does sell grass fed whey. And all of a sudden, boom, stomach feels great. Right. And I think too, we at the beginning when we first started our journey had to completely rethink what health meant. And throughout this process, we've had to change a little bit because anyone who hasn't done a lot of research or maybe even started their health journeys, which congrats if you're just starting right now, would look at that superfood smoothie and say, it's healthy for me. Bingo. And okay, I will bring that up to this point. Let's talk about PCOS real quick. Mm-hmm. All right, because I know that's going to transition into our, this, that's our next yep. and, convo. And this our is perfect. Episode. This is this is exactly what needs to be discussed on this episode. Um, so those vegan pea protein shakes that have all the healthy stuff in there, that's probably causing PCOS in the individual in addition to the leaky gut, in addition to the fatty liver. I can make the case that insulin resistance of the ovaries is PCOS. And when you eat foods at the wrong time and consume way too many calories and macronutrients that your body can't digest and absorb, it gets stuffed in places it doesn't belong, and it causes a spike in insulin at the wrong time. Breakfast. When is the most consumed for smoothies, right? You say, okay, breakfast is the time of the day when we consume smoothies. We make in the morning. It is the breakfast of champions. I would say most people don't need to eat breakfast. And in fact, if you think about it, blood sugar naturally goes up in the morning when you wake up because cortisol is raised. When you wake up in the morning, your cortisol is low at night because it's inverted with melatonin. You wake up, sunlight hits you, melatonin goes down, cortisol goes up. And cortisol's main job is to raise your blood sugar. If you wake up in the morning, you don't eat anything, your blood sugar is going to be high. You don't need to eat anything. They lied to us. (laughs) Now, I work out in the morning. So when I finish my workout at 8.30, I'm really hungry because I just did an hour workout class. But you were up doing stuff before that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to people like they get up out of bed. Like, okay, you you caught the red eye before at the airport. Yes. Okay. I like to people watch just like anyone else, right? So I'm sitting there and maybe standing there actually. And there's like 5.30, 6.30 is what it is. Maybe sometimes 5. And people are walking around saying, I'm starving. They just got up and you can tell they just got up and they already have their coffee in their hand with whatever creamer or whatever, maybe not, right? Maybe it's black coffee. But I'm like, you're not hungry. There's no way. You made it over here. You're functioning like somehow you got through here. Is your sugar crashing, right, from the night before? So what I find is that people's blood sugar throughout the day correlates with their energy levels and when they decide to consume foods. And I think what happens with the breakfast, the lunch, and dinner thing is that we were just told we need to eat three meals when that's not true at all. People do better by not eating. Fasted, right? Your digestive tract's moving. If you eat, it's not moving, right? So if you eat three to four or five meals a day, how is your digestive tract ever supposed to move consistently? And if you think about like when we eat it, think about a spike in insulin. If I eat breakfast when I'm not hungry, my metabolism will be altered by consuming way too many calories when I'm not supposed to, right? Think about the chips at the Mexican restaurant. 
man, I'm not even hungry, but I'm just going to keep eating these chips. Mm-hmm. What's going to do to your insulin? Imagine you then consume a drink or a soda, your insulin goes up, right? Yeah, you had the healthy smoothie in the morning, and that was probably more than filling if you decided to eat breakfast. Most people don't need to eat dinner. So the PCOS that you're talking about, because it is absolutely on the rise. I'm sure you've seen it just take off. Yeah. With women in their 20s, 30s, right? Probably starting even earlier. We're going to do a whole different episode about this, which we're really excited about. But let's just start with one thing. What is one thing that these people can either take out or change a little bit that could start positively impacting their health? Pay attention to hunger pains. Mm-hmm. And, and, and more simple, am I hungry or am I craving? Okay. Mm-hmm. So before each meal, this is intentional. Like mm-hmm. this, you have to have someone willing to make this effort. This is why I say it's so important. Yeah. If you say before you eat that meal, like it's right there on your plate. Check in with yourself real quick. Are you truly hungry and you have hunger pains coming from your belly? Or are those hunger pains coming from your head and you're craving something? Mm -hmm. Because you're making a decision based off of whether you're hungry or craving and you will make a completely different decision, right? So if I am at dinner time, what I have found through chemicals and, you know, neurotransmitters and lab work, I have seen that by dinner time, most people have too much cortisol, dopamine, and blood sugar running through them that they don't need to consume any more food and their liver is too backed up. Their body's like, you don't need any more calories. I mean, you're good. In fact, you need to burn more off. You didn't even work out today, right? So I have a question though, because I'm super active. I'm doing a workout class in the morning for about an hour and then I'm doing about a four mile walk in the afternoon. Nice. I'm hungry. So I wake up normally around 5.30. I'll probably eat around 8.30. But then come one o'clock, I am hungry again for lunch. I go, I do the rest of my work, I go on my walk, dinner time comes, I am hungry. It's not head, it is stomach, like I need fuel. Okay. So I couldn't imagine not eating dinner. So you ever heard of someone who's hangry? Yeah. Okay, so people get hangry, get hangry in the daytime, right? When And that's when they need to really consume food because their blood sugar is dropping. But there's this hormone that is called leptin, that no one ever talks about, and we can talk about this now, but leptin is a hormone that is usually like insulin's like wingman. Insulin has two wingmans, adiponectin and leptin, but we'll focus on this one. So leptin is a hormone that comes from fat cells, all right? Your fat cells are organs, just like the liver, just like the kidneys, the lungs, all right? And we found out recently that they make hormones. So when women come in, they wanna check their hormones, I check those hormones too. And guess what? Leptin is a hormone that gets elevated every time insulin does. So you've heard of insulin resistance. You also have leptin resistance. So when insulin goes up in the pre-diabetic, the person with fatty liver disease, the person with leaky gut, they're also spiking their leptin. Even if they're skinny, I've seen skinny people have high amounts of leptin. Now, leptin is usually only thought of released in inflamed fat cells, so people who are overweight. But I'm seeing it elevated in people who are skinny. I'm like, you're spiking your insulin and leptin with the smoothies or the food, the keto diet you're doing? Like, it's not that healthy for you. You're like, right, but what do I eat? I'm like, when are you hungry? Like, in your case, you've ramped up your metabolism to where you can see, yes, I need more energy. Now, I would say you could probably even curb that by eating more fat to override that because then you can run into ketosis and you're like, yeah, I'm hungry, but I can plow through my day. In fact, I do better in ketosis, right? People who run off of glucose for their energy can't do that. So what happens is they go between meals and they're like gasping for air around 10 a.m. They're like, I'm starving. I need more energy. 
So then I go back to the binge eating and I go back to the trauma. I say, what if the person didn't need more blood sugar? Because some people who skip lunch because they were too stressed in the daytime didn't realize they were skipping lunch until it was 2 p.m. They're like, I missed lunch. Oh my God, oh, am I hungry? So imagine you're too busy, you get through the daytime and they're like, I'm not even hungry. I just want to sit down with my family and have dinner. People tell me they're not hungry at dinner time. And that leptin in these people goes to the brain. Keep in mind, it's a fat cell hormone. Leptin is released in people who are overweight. And leptin's job is to go to the brain and suppress your appetite. So when you have leptin resistance, you don't have an appetite, chemically speaking. So this can occur in people who are skinny, who are spiking their leptin and insulin at the very earliest age of them starting to get inflammation and weight gain, if that makes sense. So then you say, I can tell you that most people, if I know they have fatty liver, digestive issues, they chemically do not have an appetite because if I check their leptin, it's going to be sky high. And I've even seen it with women who are trying to lose weight. Their leptin's high. And I'm like, you keep eating when you're not hungry. They're like, I know, help me. And I'm like, I'm addicted to sugar. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not at all. You're not addicted to sugar. You're addicted to dopamine. Mm -hmm. That's what I was getting at before. The problem with the whole conversation about consuming and calories, put that aside. You have to eat real food when you're hungry. So if I'm actually hungry at lunchtime. Perfect. Eat and it. And I'm hungry at dinner. Eat it. Got it. Because my body, so what you're saying is, is like the fact that my body is saying, hey, you're hungry because you just went on a four mile walk. That's good because that means that the leptin's not overriding. Bingo. That my body is actually speaking to me in, in the right language. And what you're doing is you're using the food you consumed for energy. Right. So, so like imagine uh, you have a checking account, savings account. Mm -hmm. Imagine the stuff in your blood right now, the blood sugar is like your, your, the cash in your wallet. Mm -hmm. right? And then imagine your savings account is whatever stored up in the liver. And then when you drain your your wallet, then you basically, well, I'm going to pull out the savings account. So when you haven't eaten, you're pulling out of the savings account. So you're pulling out whatever's in the liver or the savings account. If it's a bunch of McDonald's burger or in your case, just like what's well, a bunch of healthy food, yeah. your body will use that. Got it. Right? Yeah. To sum it all up, back to the liver, people are going to ask, okay, what can I do? You've mentioned filling your body with nutrients and getting a good diet in. You've mentioned nutrients are the same thing as your liver love, the herbs. We'll totally plug supplements. that. Supplements, right. We'll put that in the show notes below. I've heard things like castor oil packs. Are those things useful? Can you name a few more things we can start doing to support our liver? Because what if I'm sitting here, I'm pretending I'm a member of our community saying, oh my gosh, I've been eating yeah. a ton of yeah. fast food. I've been drinking alcohol. I, I have stressful thoughts. I eat the chips when I'm hungry. <laughs> What do I do? Yeah. What can I do? Um, they're probably eating the chips right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I would say go back and listen to this podcast again because the first thing that I talked about is that the liver can regenerate. So you got mm -hmm. plenty of time. So yep. don't worry about that. Um, the supplements that I love because I'm a supplement head and we have a supplement company. Uh, N-acetylcysteine mm -hmm. is my favorite liver detoxification uh, toxifier. Mm -hmm. It's an antioxidant. And uh, NAC is an easy supplement you can find over the counter. NAC. NAC. And uh, we give it in IVs. And in fact, actually, if you overdose off a of Tylenol, which can kill your, you because it kills your liver, you would go to the ER and they give you a bag, IV bag full of um, N-acetylcysteine. Interesting. It's an essential, uh, essential part of our body. And it also um, is something that's easily uh, fine. Like you can find it and you can take it and it works. So if you have uh, worried about liver inflammation, I would start with NAC. Milk thistle, dim are two other good ones. Turmeric with black pepper. And I know people are like, oh, the black pepper oxalate. So I'm like, look, man, it's black pepper. Like, I mean, 
like I said before, if you think tomatoes are really that bad for you, great. I don't think tomatoes are supposed to be bad, but you know, for me, they're not. They're, right. they're great. So, but um, resveratrol, I like. Um, let's see what else. Quercetin. Do you, do you like castor oil packs? You know, it's funny. I haven't tried it, but okay. I got this. Have we... we have a friend the other day. He says castor oil for the wind for everything. Just don't drink it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, okay cool. So I I know that, but sure. Um, I uh, I will say for the food, it, it, I I am not gonna eat vegetables. I just don't. I haven't eaten my whole life. Uh-huh. Like, let's be honest. I'm uh-huh. not going to eat 20 pounds of kale because I think it's delicious. Sure. I'm going to take vitamins. Sure. So the biggest thing that most people don't know about the liver is that it stores all our nutrients, including B vitamins. Mm-hmm. So like vitamin B9, I'm deficient in. And that contributes to the production of things like serotonin and dopamine, mm-hmm. which the liver plays a role in somehow, which is cool. We didn't even get into that. But imagine if you were to take vitamin B9, B6, B12, magnesium, Chlor, uh, chlor, uh, choline, um, let's see, any of those things, omega-3s, all of it goes into the liver and it's the recipes needed that's needed to make the liver work its best. Mm-hmm. So for some people, liver love is the ingredients for most people. Like it's just the most simplest way to do that. If you do decide to take liver love, um, I will warn you though, you can, you can play around with it. You can take it up to four a day. However, it cleans out your liver. Mm-hmm. And some people say that in the first couple of weeks, they're kind of surprised because they're like, my poop's changed. And I'm like, yeah, it's cleaning out the fridge. Wow. Now, they're like, how how far do I have to go with this? I'm like, well, how much has it changed back to something healthy? Like, does it look healthy? They're like, not there yet. I'm like, keep going. You know, you can pair whatever diet you want with whatever. Sure. But those are the supplements. Like some people like glutathione. I want your liver to make glutathione on its own. Right. That's the idea. Okay. Like, right. So if you take the recipe, you have to find something that works. That liver love is like 16 ingredients in there. Right. So to me, I'm like. I don't want to take 16 different pills. I'd rather just take one pill. And if you think you need a heavier detox, go up to two, three, four pills. Sure. So. Okay. Incredible. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. As I cannot always. wait for our PCOS episode coming soon. Yeah. We'll record that soon. Nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah. Thank you as always. Yeah. It's a Thank blast. You.
Thank you. Well, thanks for having me.